0: Imagine that you're at a college graduation commencement ceremony, which is a really, really big deal for a whole lot of people. And then there's a hush that goes across the room. As one guy labors up the stairs, it's obvious he's struggling to get up the stairs. They hand him a cane so that he can walk across the stage, and when he gets a diploma, instead of using that cane he holds it up in the air and this audience goes wild like they just won the national championship wild that moment gave me chills up my arms because it's the moment that david who was born with cerebral palsy described when he became the first person from his mother's family to ever receive a college diploma You're going to hear from an amazing guest who didn't let difficulties and a birth disorder hold them back. I am so excited to introduce you to David on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life. You're listening to Unbeatable with Jeff Struker david thank you so much for being my guest today on the next episode of unbeatable actually i don't think it's the next episode it's actually this episode if people are listening right now thanks for joining me david
1: thank you for having me i'm excited to hopefully provide some insight and education to your listeners about uh about sports uh fitness and myself
0: yeah living with cp yeah um You're coming to us from sunny Florida, but we're recording this episode in February. So what's the weather like in Florida in February?
1: Oh, right now it's been uh, mildly cold off and on. You know how Florida weather is. It's bipolar. Right now we're dealing with a lot of rain, so...
0: Yeah, so I'm just saying, uh, I'm asking you to tell everybody what the weather feels like in Florida today. For all those people that are listening in the bitter cold parts of the world, and you're bundled up with three three or four layers of clothing on, David's coming to us from cold Florida. And cold in Florida is like 50 or 60 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, where other people around the rest of the world will be in shorts and t-shirts right now in 50 or 60 degrees. Uh, I know what it feels like to be in 50 or 60 degrees, and it seems a little bit cold. Because let's just be honest, in the summertime, it's like 900% humidity and super hot all summer long, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Tell me about it, though. The humidity and the heat in the summer in Florida is the worst.
0: Yeah. So you get the winters that everybody wishes they had, but then you have the summers that nobody wants to go through. I'm just saying.
1: Exactly. I mean, we only had one week of actual winter and I mean, it got cold. I mean, we're talking about up north, a high 49, low 30. And I mean, it got cold.
0: Yeah. Well, if you are listening to this podcast, David joined in a hoodie and a t-shirt because it's cold, air quotes, in Florida right now. Hey, you just described yourself a moment ago. And by the way, thanks for giving everybody kind of an overview of who you are. You've got a background in sports. You are you are an advocate and uh, for CP. You and I know CP to be cerebral palsy, but describe the... Describe cerebral palsy to people who have no uh, exposure to, to it.
1: Well, cerebral palsy is caused to, due to lack of to the brain from birth. So uh, CP can vary from individuals. So you can have speech impediments. You can have issues with, uh, you know, your physically, uh, mentally. In my case, for example, I have, I have spastic hemiplegia, which means My cerebral palsy affects one side of my body, which
0: is my right side.
1: But um, I'm very limited on my right side. But for the most part, I do everything on my own.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Are you, you're living at home right now on your own?
1: Yes, I am.
0: Yeah, so um, as I understand it, People with CP have this spectrum, right? Some people very severe, and they're gonna need some kind of care all their life to others that are like you, able to live on your own. Can you describe a little bit of what life is like on those very extreme edges of CP?
1: Well, uh, I can actually talk to you about myself growing up. So for the first eight years of, oh, I'm sorry, for the first eight years of my life, um, I I can read, write, or walk. Um, I was told by doctors that I would never live a normal life. Hold on, a-
0: you couldn't one. walk until you were eight years old? hmm Wow.
1: I was very limited in what I could do. Uh, physically, um, had limited vocabulary, you know, and uh, doctors just uh, just gave up hope, and they told my parents, your, your son's going to be a vessel for the rest of your life, you're going to have to take care of. But fortunately, I had some pretty awesome events transpire and it shaped who I am today.
0: Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here looking at you, watching you live through this video feed thinking, if I just saw you from a distance in a, a grocery store or at a gas station, I would never know that you have CP because of how well you carry yourself. I'm sitting back listening and hearing you say, you can't walk. You really can't talk until you're eight years old. And I can't imagine the massive transformation that must have happened—you—you you described it as some pretty incredible events. What were those events? Well,
1: when I was eight years old, um, I had I had a uh, tragic event happen, which my my biological mom she had me when she was sixteen years old, and uh, throughout her life, you know, she struggled. You could—you could imagine. You're basically a child raising a child yeah, yeah. with a disability, and you, you also have my younger brother as well so, to raise. And she tragically passed away at uh, 23 years old, and oh, um, and then from then on, luckily I had a stepmom and my dad were always in my life. So think of it this way: I had a beautiful childhood because I had three parents that were willing to co-parent yeah.
0: each other. Yeah, you know. Wow, that's an, an that's a beautiful way of describing this. Um, I'm. What is your biological mother's first name? What was her first name?
1: Her first name was Erica.
0: Okay. Erica is incredible if she's 16 years old and had a special needs child and doesn't put you up for adoption but decides I'm going to raise this child as you said a child taking care of not just a child but a special needs child.
1: But but it gets it gets even more special here. All right, um, come on. The day after the months after she passed away uh, about 3 months I started walking and then my stepmom had to make the decision the day of my my biological mom's funeral. Am I gonna take care of this child and give him the future that he needs and he deserves? Or am I gonna continue with my youth and, and living my life and having kids later on? Yeah. She said, I see more potential in this child than anybody else could. I wanna take him as my own and give him the life that he wants. And she's been my mom ever since.
0: What is your stepmother's name? Her her name's Yvette. Okay. Erica was my hero. Yvette is my hero. If she would be willing to love you and take you and treat you like her, your, her own, um, not just because of your cerebral palsy, but because, um, she's deciding, Hey, I think that there's something special in, in this, in David. Um, when you were growing up, People would obviously think that there's something a little bit off with you. Um, often, folks with cerebral palsy have been referred to as air quotes slow. Did you have people making comments like that to you? Oh wow! You know, um,
1: actually, when I uh, when I started first living with my stepmom full time, uh, my dad, her, and I were living in were living in Puerto Rico at the time. And I was enrolled in school and regular education there. And in Puerto Rico at the time, the schools weren't ready for inclusion and acceptance when it came to kids with disabilities. So I would make straight A's in all my classes, do very well, you know, four-point average, very smart, bright student. But all the teachers right. would look at me and say, you know, I don't want him in my classroom. He's too oh, slow. Oh, no, he's, man. Are you he's serious? A burden. You know, he's a burden. And, and I had a one-on-one, you know, in the classroom with me. But I would try to do everything on my own, and teachers didn't want me there.
0: Yeah, so you're you're basically not just doing okay in school; you're excelling in school. But because you are noticeably different than the other children, the teachers decided that you're a burden to them, and they would rather not have you in class at all.
1: Mm-hmm. And that that really hurt my uh, my mom now. That she she took it upon herself to go up to the to the director's office and shred the documentation yeah. of me and that school, and we moved to Florida.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You're almost like a living Forrest Gump, is basically what you're describing right now. For anybody who's seen the movie Forrest Gump, right? It's a great movie, by the way. Yeah, um, I'm using that a movie as an analogy because your parents decided to pour into you instead of holding you back. They decided to encourage you along which caused you with CP to end up doing sports while you're still growing up. What, why did your parents say, Hey, David, why don't you try to do some sports when other children in your condition would, would be at home, you know, and, and kept indoors?
1: Well, for me, sports was more of a way to keep me in, in a physically active and in shape at first. And then, as the years progressed and I got older, I started to really get gain an interest in it. And um, that's where I kind of got my interest. Uh, well, my first interest was baseball. And I began playing All baseball. All right.
0: That's what I'm cool. talking about. God's sport. The one that they're going to play up in heaven. Baseball.
1: <laughs> yep. I played baseball for 10 years as a catcher. Nice. For various different teams yeah. and in leagues. And I started off in Puerto Rico as the poster child. So in the very first league in Puerto Rico, my hometown.
0: Which, by the way, I want to point out, for people who live in the Caribbean and even in Latin America, baseball is humongous. So if you're playing baseball, you got some stiff competition around you.
1: It is. It is. it isn't. I I loved it. And then I moved here and played in several leagues here. And then I transitioned to, to cycling. All
0: right. Well, they know a thing or two about baseball in Florida because that's pretty much where all of the professional teams descend during spring training, right? You're surrounded by the best players in the world for a few weeks during the spring.
1: Yes. And I've actually met several notable names while, um, playing baseball throughout my, um, Throughout my time. So, I was going to say, uh,
0: tell me that you caught for Nolan Ryan or for, t- uh, for, um, John Smoltz or, or somebody uh, like I've, that.
1: I've met, um, I've met so many, uh, Todd Glavin, Alex
0: Rodriguez, Mariano yeah. Rivera. Holy smokes. Yeah. If you for, got all those signatures on a baseball, you become a pretty wealthy man.
1: Yeah. And the, the, it's, they're, they're the greatest, honestly, they're one, they're some of the greatest of all time.
0: Yeah. Hey, you. You talked about cycling. We'll discuss that in just a second. But I, I'm I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like people who um, have cerebral palsy, the uh, uh, the the people around you, in classmates, teachers, other people in your family, because you talk slow, they tend to think that you think slow. So, how did you overcome that um, barrier that would have happened just the day that you showed up to start? uh, to baseball practice when you obviously have cerebral palsy, how did you overcome those barriers?
1: Well, it was, it was mostly, you're talking about exposure, you know, people, once you expose people to your disability and you take the time to explain it, it makes, it makes everything a whole lot easier.
0: All right. And your parents kind of not only um, allowed you, but they encouraged you to take part in sports. Is that right?
1: Yes. And at the time, I wasn't really before sports. I wasn't really into um, sports. I was very, you know, I was very a homebody. You know, didn't want to do much. And and then uh, I was introduced to sports, and I've I've had a passion for and for fitness
0: ever since. Yeah. Um, by the way, before we talk cycling, you also did a little football, uh, when you were in school too, right? I did. I actually was a, I played running back and center when I was in high school. You were the running back and you played center in high school. Yep. You must have played for, I played
1: for a league that was, um, designed for, for people with disabilities.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm. I'm I'm just fascinated right now, David. Um there are several neurological and muscular conditions. I'm not trying to get medical with you cuz I don't know the, the medical uh aspects of CP of cerebral palsy well enough. But I do know no don't I do know enough about I can't even use I can't even talk today. Um I know enough about it to know that it affects your motor skills and your muscles. So it, do, it does does. will you describe for people what cerebral palsy does to like your fine motor movements, what it does to your muscles, because the fact that you can hit a baseball or the fact that you can play center or even ride a bicycle, it's uh, i I'm impressed, man. So describe what this would have been like trying out for sports with the way that this illness attacks your muscles or your fine motor movements.
1: So in my in uh, my case with my CP, I have spasticity, which is uh, rigidity of the muscles. You know, I get uh, involuntary spasms sometimes with my back and in my shoulders. Uh, but uh, with the CP as well, I have trouble balance. So sometimes you have to you have to think to yourself, you're you're limited, but you're not that limited, and you have to think what can you do to make your time playing sports easier. Well, there's always a ways to adapt your equipment. So, when I used to cycle, I took my my father had this idea of taking uh you know the you know the footrest that you have in wheelchairs? huh Yeah. We took those apart, both of those on the where the bike pedals are, uh turned those into pedals so I would put my feet in there, strap them on because my feet would fly up if I did not have the straps on. Them. We'd strap them in, then we took the we took the, you know, like a crowbar, right? We took a, he took a crowbar, uh, welded it. We put scooter wheels on the sides.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Bolted it on the bike and turned the bike into like a, into like a trike. It yeah. was an actual racing bike. I had a, I had a trek, I had a trek one thousand, so that I used to use for competition.
0: So we turned that into a complete racing bike. Your father is a mechanical genius. If he can take a crowbar and turn a bicycle into a trike.
1: And I used to compete with that for a good three year, three, four years. And I won three state titles.
0: Holy smokes. This is incredible. Um, why bicycling? Because let's just be honest, some very normal, very healthy children struggle to figure out how to ride a bicycle, even with the training wheels. And when you take the training wheels off, all of us fall down a couple of times, a lot of us fall down a lot more than a couple of times. So why did you decide to get into cycling?
1: Well, at first, you know, it was because I was very into Lance Armstrong. And it's, of course, it's, uh, I won't go into much detail, but it's unfortunate what happened with yeah. the whole situation. Yeah. But he, he was my idol back in the day, you know, I, was, I, was, I admired him. And so that's what kind of got me into cycling.
0: Nice. You were going to become the next Lance Armstrong and win like a dozen tour de France. That's what you were going to do.
1: Yeah. It was actually well on my, well, on my way, I actually um, did cycling for a few years. Then I quote unquote retired then I was scouted in high school because I was because I had seen I had done so well and I was about to be a para a para they were looking to sign me into a Paralympic contract yeah amateur contract in Florida but then I said you know after doing years of sports my body was already worn down I said you know what I'd rather go to college and turn down a six figure contract and sponsorships and you know because your body doesn't last forever but your mind does right.
0: Listen, for anybody that has that is totally healthy, it would be hard for us to do the kind of sports that you've done. The fact that you were able to do it with the muscle rigidity and muscle spasms that you just described or the balance problem, like I'm thinking about balance problems on a bicycle, are you kidding me right now? Um the fact that you can overcome those obstacles are is so impressive, man.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's all about um wanting to do something and really enjoying it. If you enjoy it, you'll find any way to make the, uh, sport or playing the sport easier.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, while we were, while I was getting ready to do this episode with you, David, I was thinking about cycling. Um, and in fact, I got this little segment that I like to do in the show called the high five. It's like my way of reaching all the way across the internet and slapping a big high five for you. Um, and I was thinking about the five or six big mistakes that I've seen people make on bicycles, especially the adults who think they've got it figured out, and then they end up making very childish mistakes. So if you don't mind, I want us to go back and forth just a little bit about, bicycle, about basic cycling mistakes that us adults will sometimes make that we really should have probably figured these things out as a child. You, you ready to go back and forth just a little bit? I'm ready. All right, man. Um, I've watched, I can't tell you how many people, in fact, almost everybody that I watch, it looks like their seat, you and I know that seat as a saddle on a bicycle, but it looks like their seat is way too high and they're barely able to hit the pedals because they're trying to look cool. Or their seat is way too low and it doesn't look like they can generate any momentum. And basically they look like they don't belong on that. They look like they took somebody else's bicycle because that seat is jacked up so high or sank down so low. Um that's one of the first mistakes that I think I've seen and most often.
1: One of the ones I've seen is when they go into the wrong lane, you know, thinking that they're going in the wrong in the right direction. Man, oh, do I see that a lot? Especially yeah. when they used to compete. It always, it always would happen. And it would baffle me because you go in the wrong lane, you'll be, you know, they'll think that they'll take the lead or yeah. they're going faster. Instead, you're going, you're actually going behind pace. Yeah. And you're falling behind.
0: Yeah. Not only that, but you're actually putting yourself at risk going in the wrong lane in a bicycle race, right?
1: Yep. And it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things if you're on time or if you're trying to meddle, yeah, it really messes with you. Yeah.
0: Um. No, hey, here's another, another uh, the next one on my list. Every little kid when they're playing around and they they start to get pretty good on a bicycle, they like to take their hands off the uh the 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 pet handlebars, or they basically are showing off, right? Like, look, mom, no hands showing off. And I I can't tell you the number of grown adults that I've seen that are showing off on a bicycle, except for their parents, mom isn't there anymore. So they're just showing off the people that are um, around them that have no, uh, they don't care at all the fact that you're showing off. And the amount of people that I've seen try to do the no look, mom, no hands, adults doing the look, mom, no hands, and then make some stupid mistake and end up in the ditch. You seen anything like that one?
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, I I did a few of those myself when I was younger. I, uh, I think I was in Puerto Rico at the time first trying to learn how to ride a bike. And, uh, I was going up a hill and I was like, Hey mom, look, I'm, I'm riding my bike. And I'll send you the bike going sideways and I fell <laughs> right sideways onto onto the ground, onto the pavement. And luckily I was, I was wearing, you know, protective gear, but yeah, I was one of those silly mistakes.
0: I'm laughing at you right now, man, because I can think of doing the same thing, but I'm sure it wasn't that funny when you, when it happened to you. Right.
1: Oh yeah. At first it wasn't, it wasn't that funny at first it was kind of startling, you know, you're, you're not used to falling off your bike.
0: All right. Well, here's the next one on my list. Um, when I, and I've made this mistake personally, I'm riding around and I didn't really prepare. So I'm not wearing the right equipment as you just described. And I'm wearing pants that are too loose when I'm cycling on a bicycle and anybody who has some, an experience on a bicycle knows exactly what that is going to end up being. But what happens to you when your pant legs are way too loose on a bicycle?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, in that situation, um, they'll tear up, you know, you'll yeah. tear up the pants. It'll create holes. Uh, chances are you'll probably get a couple of bruises here or there. <laughs> um, I had my fair share of those as well. Um, I can recall, uh, a situation probably a couple months ago. I was actually riding my bike and I, uh, I was going up a little like speed bump Uh and I guess I went too fast and I went, I almost went flying and, uh, I was wearing really, uh, like really like skinny pants and, um, I, I tore them up and I mean, I still have them just for,
0: just to show people like, look what I did. Yeah. Yeah. David, I'm getting this mental image right now of you on a bicycle wearing skinny jeans, trying to jump a speed bump right now. And it turns into a big, poly, a, a big puff of smoke, a puff of dust because you wiped out so hard. Um by the way, for those of you who don't spend a lot of time on a bicycle, loose pant legs on a bicycle always get caught up in the the gears and you can virtually guarantee that you'll tear your pants up. If not, clog your gears up and end up going flying head over the handlebars.
1: Yeah, not a great idea. Yeah, Do not wear
0: loose pant legs while you're out cycling. Just free advice to everybody out there. All right, next one. Yeah. Um, How about when you're going downhill, you're starting to pick up some speed and you want to really start flying. I have done this myself personally, and instead of shifting up, you downshift, which causes your feet to come off of the pedals, downshifting downhill with a lot of speed. You know what happens, David, when your feet come off the pedals and you're going and you're flying downhill, right?
1: Yep, there's no brakes, and eventually you'll hit, you'll, hit a, you'll hit anything around you in sight.
0: That's exactly, you're describing exactly what happened to me. My feet came off the pedals, my feet hit the ground, the bike kept going, the body stayed there, and it just become a giant mess of arms, legs, and, and bike tires and, and gears.
1: Think of an avalanche, except you're on a bike.
0: Yeah, that's basically, that's a that's the perfect description. Think about a snowball downhill, except for it's bike and person rolling downhill, you know, in a big avalanche. All right. Last one. And for me, this one is a classic mistake that people make when you spend a lot of time cycling and you don't wear safety glasses or anything like that, especially when you're doing some long rides with, um, with some slow, long sloping downhills. I'm, uh, I think everybody knows that you should be wearing the right gear and you should be wearing helmets, but tell everybody why the glasses are especially important, on some of those fast long downhills on a bicycle
1: you're talking about uh depending on the type of course you're you're riding uh dirt debris uh bird poop you I hate nailed to say it, but it. it can yep. you yep. know uh, anything that hits your eyes can be detrimental and in, and in, in how you you uh you ride your bike or how you do things you know as far yeah. as uh competition.
0: You absolutely nailed it, David. It's not so much looking cool in your favorite sunglasses. It's, I guarantee you, you're going to get dust or bugs, or as David just described, some bird poop right smack in the eyeball while you're going downhill as fast as you can. It is hard to ride well when you just got an eyeball full of gnats in South Florida um, in that hot, sticky climate, right? So they all stick right to your face and they don't want to leave. That's that's right. Hey, man, um, you not only have competed and you've not only trained for sports so well, competed for so well that you're helping other people understand uh, fitness and sports and cerebral palsy. Um, you've, you've kind of become a cerebral palsy fitness expert. Is that safe to say? I mean,
1: I, w- I would say so, you know, but I always like to... Uh learn myself. So, you know, I, like I always say, I might be, I might be considered an expert, but there's always room to learn. There's yeah. always room for improvement.
0: Yeah. I'm right there with you. I don't know that I'm an expert in anything, but whatever I am okay at, I've got a lot of room to improve. You're helping people understand the complexities of cerebral palsy and fitness, cerebral palsy and, and, uh, sports, And you've done it to the point that you launched a podcast, right? Tell everybody about your podcast.
1: Well, my podcast, I just, um, well, the original launch of the podcast was a few years ago, I used to do a lot of, um, I, well, I still do. I talk about my journey and then I had, I would talk about my journey for a couple, for a couple of years. And then after that I decided, you know what, why not open it up to others? You know, give them a platform to speak and to share their story and not only that but uh help them in their fitness journeys as well so I've done you know I've interviewed so many people from people like ourselves everyday people to professional athletes to professional wrestlers like Gregory Iron and and Paralympic athletes like Marshall Zachary yeah and they've competed you know all over the world like Marshall Zachary competed in Tokyo and the paralympic games uh-huh. just this year. So to be able, and to be able to have everyday people come to me and say, "Oh, I listen to your podcast and when I listen to your podcast, it helped with my depression and my my struggles or it helped me give the hope that my child will be like you one day." And that's the best part of the podcast is the fact that I get to help people with it.
0: Yeah, so this is uh, fascinating to me. When you talk about, uh, when you interview people, you're not just talking about cerebral palsy on your podcast. Is that correct? Yes, not just
1: about cerebral palsy.
0: And the people that are listening to your to, to your podcast, and by the way, if they want to find your podcast, where do they find it and what's it called?
1: You can find it on, on um, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. And it's called The Cerebral Palsy and Fitness podcast.
0: Yeah. And don't forget, he said the cerebral palsy and fitness podcast, meaning all of the rest of those podcasts about cerebral palsy and fitness. Those are like secondary to yours, right? Yeah. but Yeah.
1: Yeah. My, mine,
0: ha- mine has to be good. So. That's right. If you're going to put Follow the mine. in the title, it better be good. In fact, we should Dylan, uh, he's sitting right next to me, Dylan, we should change the name of the show to the unbeatable uh, podcast. Done. And- Okay. <laughs> there we go. No, we're not going to do go. that because then I'm going to have to change the logo and oh, all yeah, of the other yeah. stuff that goes along with it. But Matt, I hear you. Um, so when people are listening to this, they're not just uh, dealing with somebody in their life that has cerebral palsy. You're telling me that people that hear these episodes are saying, man, you helped me get over a tough spot in my life and it had nothing to do with cerebral palsy. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Um you if I heard you correctly, the podcast really came out of speaking to people um, because they wanted to hear you tell your story.
1: Exactly. That's how it first started. I first started uh, just discussing my journey, uh, everyday life, you know, what what it's like living with CP every day.
0: So you were, hey. uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, man, you were kind of like a motivational, or you are kind of like a motivational speaker then?
1: I am a motivational speaker. I've done uh, 60 appearances in the last like four years.
0: Holy smokes, man. In several conferences.
1: Yeah. So, look, I'm,
0: I'm getting motivated right now, just listening to you speak. So you're doing a good job. Um, when people ask you to come speak, I, I'm interested. Why are they calling you to come speak to their group, whatever that group is? Like,
1: well, it's just the fact that I've, I've done a lot of, um, you know, not just a podcast, but I do a lot of work outside of the podcasting uh, realm and motivational speaker. I'm actually a, a youth advocate. So I've been working with, uh, with uh, young teens and, and youth for the last couple of years as first as a teaching assistant, and now as a youth advocate for uh, My Brother's Keeper in the city of Orlando.
0: Yeah. Describe My Brother's Keeper for people that are not familiar with it.
1: So basically, it's an initiative started by one of our presidents back in 08 to help combat, um, you know, teen homelessness uh-huh. and and uh, kind of um, lessen crime. You know, getting them involved in crime and stuff, and yeah. keep them keep them off the streets. You know, right. provide them a, uh, an outlet to be able to strive. You know, like a big brother, big sister program. Uh-huh. So at this point, with my brother's keeper, you know, as you, as you hear the term brother. I work with all boys, uh-huh. so I'm kind of a mentor and a big brother to all boys, and I help them, guide them in the right direction as far as, like, talking to them about life, um, talking to them about what's outside of just being in the streets, you know, all these opportunities that they have that they don't have to resort to yeah. going into drugs and, and crime and, and all these horrible things that they have potential
0: Yeah. And the boys that you mentor, they're not necessarily dealing with cerebral palsy?
1: Uh, No, they have all kinds of various, all kinds of various, uh, you know, disabilities, you know, could be, could be developmental, could be physical. I haven't had a student with with a a physical disability yet, Uh but I have, I have worked with all kinds of uh, various students with disabilities in in my, um, my career.
0: Well, I'm I'm watching you right now on this meeting, in this Zoom meeting, and I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, of course, if I were a boy who was facing life on the streets and a lot of hardships, I could feel sorry for myself until I met a guy like you, David, who says, look at me, man, if somebody wants to feel sorry for themselves, I'm a guy who could feel sorry for myself if I wanted to, but that's not the path that I've taken which could be a really, really powerful example to some kids that are very influential right now,
1: yes, yeah, so it's about um having that good support system and some of these kids they could you know uh not have their parents could be working two jobs yeah, or right. one parent could be in jail, yeah, or you know, or it could just be themselves you know practically raising themselves uh-huh. and a sibling, you know and it's it's not easy,
0: yeah. You um you are seriously motivating me. In fact, I just wrote down something that you mentioned a minute ago, David, and I thought that one's going to stick with me for a long long time. When you said, "Even though I was born with limitations," these are my words, not yours. "Even though I was born with limitations, I'm not that limited. In other words, I'm not going to allow my limitations to hold me back more than they they should." Um Here, and that's motivating me right now, man.
1: Here's something else you could take away. Um also don't don't let don't let the 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 label define you. Let what you do with that label define who you are.
0: Oh man, that is so powerful. Explain to people what you mean by not letting the label air quotes define you.
1: So, for example, I have cerebral palsy. For years, I spent um, thinking to myself, "Okay, so I have CP. Okay, so." that's me. So I guess I'm just a guy with cerebral palsy. I'm not, I'm nothing else. But, uh, as I got older, my, my, my mom would tell me, you know what? Don't let, don't let the label define who you are, but it'll cerebral palsy. will always be with you, but let your actions, let what you do define who you are.
0: Yeah, man, I am so impressed by this advice that your mom gave you, um, because I I would assume having been, cerebral palsy is a born, you were born with that condition, right? Essentially, it happened in the womb. Yeah, so all that you've ever known all of your life is living with cerebral palsy. That's why I'm stressing this. Is this correct? That's correct. Yeah, so... I can only imagine that the average person with cerebral palsy, because it's all that they've ever known all their life, they, it's been uh, the case ever since the womb, all that they can think about is the cerebral palsy and how they're different from other people. And if you're not careful, how I can't do what other people can do. But your mom is telling you, hey, David, stop thinking about what you can't do. And if I heard correctly, what she's really asking you to do is don't let that label of what you can't do define you. Why don't you start thinking about what you can do? Is that correct?
1: That's correct. And and you know and the and she said that the day of um, when I graduated from from ECF. Uh, and let me let me t- let me tell you about this. This is gonna be uh, to people when I tell the story, it hits them pretty hard. Uh, so. I remember the day that I graduated from UCF. Um, so, by the way,
0: University of Central Florida, it is no small feat to graduate from that school.
1: Yes, yeah, so they uh, they say that, well, it used to be a myth on campus. So they would say, if you don't finish, you can't. It's, it's, they say you can't finish. Yeah. And if you step on the school seal, and the student union before you graduate,
0: you will get struck down by lightning. Is that what they said? It's,
1: I mean, it could happen. You (laughs) you, you never know.
0: (laughs) I'm just joking right now, but they're saying it's serious business, right?
1: It's serious business. Like there, there's a possibility you don't graduate if you step on that seal early beforehand beforehand. Yeah. And so, um, I I worked tirelessly. Like, I mean, I I gave it my all, you know, you know, because, you know, my, my family, my biological mom only never finished high school. So
0: I was literally the first one to finish high school Holy on her side cow. of the family. Wait a second. You're the first person in your mom's entire side of the family to finish high school, even though you have cerebral palsy. Even though I was I was told I would never accomplish any kind of, Oh my feet. This is incredible. You you can't even talk until you're eight years old and the doctors are telling your parents to just give up all hope. And you're doing something that the rest of your mother's side of the family has never accomplished before. This is incredible, man.
1: Yeah. And, um, and then of course I went on to finish high school and, and then, uh, I went on to college and, and then, uh, I remember the day that I I was going to graduate. Um, I mean, I gave I gave it my all, you know, when I was at UC. Yeah. I mean, I literally sacrificed myself physically, and I'd wake up at 4:30 in the morning just because I take paratransit to get the class uh, from Sanford. So I would sometimes it'd be a two, an hour and a half, two hour bus ride every wow. day to get to school, yeah. and I'd be there from 7:30 till about eight o'clock at night, almost uh, every other day. I would just study hard, not not quit. I mean, I put, I put, put my family on the, I put my family on my shoulders. I put everything. And I mean, when I gra- the day that I graduated, um, I had, a, I had a, I was really sick, like physically because I was like, you know, I went, really? a lot of, I went through a lot of stress. Yeah. And, and, I, and, you know, I said, I spent $90 to, to 90 the bucks to rent that cap and gown. And they asked me, do you want to take the ramp or the, the stairs? And I said, I was 25 at the time. And I said, I waited 17 long years for yeah. this moment to walk up that stage and to prove to people that I could do what they said I couldn't
0: do. Man, I'm getting chills just thinking about this. So, I bet that so place I, erupted when you walked across the stage.
1: So they um, so they would call everybody's name, you know, have uh-huh. them walk across, everybody would cheer. Uh, next thing you know, uh, that got really quiet, really silent when I got up and I said, you know everybody's probably tired they probably don't want to cheer anymore i'm like i'm okay if i hear just hear my family you know cheer and you could hear a pen drop with how quiet it was and i would get up the stairs and i'm like okay nobody's cheering and um they give me the cane i lift it up and within 5 seconds that place did erupt wow and and they they clapped for a good 5 minutes and Man. i just stood there just looking at the crowd just kind of like you know Thankful, and I, I lifted the cane up, and I walked across the stage. And um, next thing you know, I got my uh, diploma cover. Went up to my went up to my mom, and and. And I just broke down
0: in tears. Yeah, of course, man. That is so powerful, what you just described walking across the stage when everybody in the room knew that you had cerebral palsy, walking across the stage and receiving a diploma. And I just want to point out you said you were 25 years old when you graduated from college? Yes. All right. I know guys that have absolutely nothing wrong with them that are spending seven, eight, nine years in college because they're just taking the slow path. So, holy cow, man, you are disciplined and you are determined. But it didn't uh, pass over me what you just said. You're the kind of unbeatable guy who says, I'm not going to quit. That's why you walked across that stage, right?
1: Right. And I I wasn't, you know, I said either... I put it all on the line. I said, either I graduate or everything I did in my life didn't really matter. So I put everything, I said, I'm going to put all the chips on the table. You know, it's, it's like right. when somebody's gambling, you know, they put everything on the yeah. table and whether they lose, they lose If They win. They win.
0: Yeah. So. Hey, uh, I hope that as you're listening, as you're driving along right now, listening to David, that there are a couple of moments in your life where you just decide like he did, I'm going to put it all down on this one. It is that important to me. I want to accomplish X and I'm going to give whatever it takes to be able to accomplish it. David, I'm, I'm so impressed by your hard work and your discipline, but not only that you would be able to graduate as you just mentioned a moment ago, graduate when nobody else in your mother's side of the family has ever graduated from college, man, this is incredible.
1: You know, and I, uh, two weeks later, um, I found out through some classmates of mine Hey, you, you made the UCF commencement commercial. You're you're on there, and what? I'm like, i I don't know, you're famous. And so I made the commercial, and then a couple of months later, I was interviewed by a by a reporter at UCF. You know, they wanted me to share my story as well. So that's kind of how it, my public speaking career started.
0: Yeah, did uh, UCF give you all of your college tuition back since they're making all of that crazy money off of you and advertising?
1: <laughs> be, they should. Yeah, you know, but but hey, you know, I got, I'm getting publicity so that's a good
0: thing when you go to speak to audiences now they don't need i mean they can just see that you have cerebral palsy so what is one of the messages that you try to leave your audience with
1: i I try to leave them with there's always this saying that i use for where um my podcast in general is if i can do it so can you you know if uh so what if you have, if you don't have a disability, doesn't mean you can, you you can't, you know, you, you can't do it because if I can do something, if I can do the same thing you can do, and I have this, dis- uh, this disability and these, uh, you know, these struggles, you can do it too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I can imagine how powerful that moment is when you're speaking to audiences, by the way, real quickly, if somebody says, I'm, I'm listening to this right now, I'm blown away by this guy. I need to hear him speak, or I want to have him come speak to my group. How do they find out? How do they get in connect contact with you?
1: Um, You can, you can get in touch with me through, through Instagram at David's CP fitness. Um, You can also reach out to me via email at David's CP fitness at, Gmail.com.
0: All right. And we'll put links, by the way, to those email, to your email and um, your Instagram account. If it's okay with you, we'll put that on the notes it's, to this episode. It's okay. All right. Cool. Um, I, I want to wrap up with the, the broadcast with this. You um, still are helping people, you're still making a difference in students' lives, especially because you're teaching or your assistant teaching middle schoolers. Is this right?
1: Yeah. I, 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 um, I used to, I used to be an assistant, but I still work with students on a advocate mentorship capacity now
0: at the schools. What is that so, like? What do you, what do you do when you, when you advocate for students in schools?
1: So the way that it works is with my students is I would come in during, during the school day and I would kind of get in touch with you know, school counselors with mm-hmm. teachers, see how they're doing grade wise. Um, how the main thing with the student is how, how are your grades? How's family? How are you doing? How's your well-being? And what do you need from me to help you with? You know, as far as it could be academic, it could be as far as like a basic need uh-huh. that they might need. And we just try to keep them on the right path. And if there's if there's something that's alarming, then I take it upon, I take initiative and do all the safety protocols and Paperwork because as you know, being a part of the school system, you're a mandated reporter. So anything that happens, yeah. you're responsible for. Yeah. So being a mentor, your responsibility is kind of changed. So you're focused more on the students' well-being rather than being in the classroom with them, you know, academically.
0: Uh-huh. And are the students that you work with are do all of them have cerebral palsy?
1: Uh no, they don't.
0: What uh, kind of range of, of uh, challenges do the students have that you work with?
1: It could be this dyslexia or, you know, they could be developmentally delayed, which they struggle, you know, reading things or doing math or, you know, just, just uh, basic, um, uh, basic subjects, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah. And, David, the fact that you're still working hard to help students that to uh, um, exceed um, even though you could be doing other things like focusing your time on your podcast or on speaking or on sports or other things like that, man, the fact that you're willing to give back and to make an impact in students lives. That is so impressive, man.
1: I really, I really appreciate it. And I, I don't take it for granted. And honestly, to me, this isn't a job to me. This is something I enjoy. I don't do it for the money. I do it because I want to see students succeed.
0: Yeah. Anybody who advocates for students is not doing it for the money. Cause let's be honest, you could make a whole lot more money doing something other than that. You've got to be doing it because there's something in your heart for these students. That's right. There is. I'm thinking right now, I want us to wrap up this way. I'm thinking right now of that guy or that gal who's listening to this episode. They've got some challenges in front of you and they may not be competing at the same level on a level field with the other people around them in other words something is holding them back a little bit and they really want to be able to accomplish something you've accomplished things in sports you've accomplished things in school you've accomplished things in as a public speaker and launching a podcast that other people that didn't have cerebral palsy were not able to pull off so can you leave people that are listening to this episode with some advice they're struggling They don't have the same advantages as everybody else around them, but they really want to accomplish something great in their lives. What's one piece of advice, one practical piece of advice that you would give a person in that situation today?
1: Well, what I would tell them at first is, um, focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses, focus on what you can do. And remember, there's always, there's always, there are ways to, to, to improvise and adapt and make things easier for you, and uh, and tr- and reach out to those that you really care about, that really care about you, because the the main thing is, first off, find a good support system. Second, uh, don't discourage yourself uh, if you feel like you're you're starting to fall off or something. You pick yourself back up and keep going, and. Last but not least, uh, do your best to stay positive. Always say, um, say positive affirmations. Like in the morning, like when you get up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, I can do it. I can do this. I'm not giving up today. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wonderful human being. I'm loved, I'm valued and I'm appreciated.
0: Man, those words. Everybody needs to hear, not even people facing challenges, not just folks that have some kind of disability or something holding them back. All of us need to hear your words. I can see now why you're in high demand as a public speaker. And it's, it's truly
1: a privilege and an honor to be able to help people every day.
0: David, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being part of this episode. And I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who watches the Cerebral Palsy or listens to the Cerebral Palsy and Fitness Podcast. You guys got a great host in David.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it.
0: Thanks, man. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Take care. Man, you just heard a beautiful piece of advice that all of us need to go away with today. When you get up tomorrow morning, no matter what challenge you're facing, look yourself in the mirror and say these words out loud. Literally say these words out loud. I'm not giving up today. David is unbeatable and anybody who takes his advice will be unbeatable too. Just look yourself in the mirror and say, not today. I'm not giving up today. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of unbeatable. If you just found this episode for the first time and you were blown away by what you heard, would you follow us on social media? You can find us just by searching for at unbeatable podcast on your favorite social media platforms. And if you've started listening to this regularly, why don't you go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? In fact, why don't you rate us? and tell everybody in the world how awesome this podcast is. We're well on our way, y'all. We're getting close to our goal of 50,000 downloads by tax day, April 15th, and here's how you can help. Would you tell a friend, would you send a text or shoot an email to a friend and say, you gotta hear this podcast and this guest today. Shoot them a text, send them a friend, so that we can hit this big goal of 50,000 downloads by April 15th. Thank you for tuning in today. Get up tomorrow and remind yourself, I am not giving up today, and you will be unbeatable too. See you next time.